good morning and good afternoon, depending on where we at the time this recording. This is episode 48 of the Restricted Zone podcast. And on the previous episode, I made a little mistake. You guys may have noticed or not. I had said episode 67 to 68 is originally episode 47. So this is episode 48. The NBA draft special part one is 47. So please be mindful of that. And also, I'm with my fellow co-host, Kyrie. Introduce yourself, man. Yo, yo, what's going on, guys? Yes, sir. And, we come, and we're back with the special guest from Straight to the Point. Jared, introduce yourself, man. Yo, what's going on? Happy to be back again. Aha. Uh-huh. We'll go ahead, Jared. Let's get straight to the point, man. So now we're doing the Easter Conference of the NBA Draft two-part special and I honestly love doing this, and I, I love the NBA draft. It's my favorite time of the year. And now we're going to dive straight into the Eastern Conference. We're going to do division by division, of course. So that means we're going to do the Atlantic division. Now, my Philadelphia 76ers, we had the 27th pick – no, 28th pick in the draft, and we had a second-round pick. But we chose Jaden Springer – inside the draft. Now, I actually like Jaden Springer. I think he's a nice two-guard with some potential to play the one, but with Tyrese Maxey, as you know, that could be our future backup guard. Ben Simmons' future is still unknown, but before we get into the draft, it's uh, the prospects itself. Jared, are you Team Simmons in Philly, or are you teams just get him out of here? Um, I don't know. You don't know. You can play I don't know what's gonna happen at this point. The Sixers draft, I like though. Springer, he, I, I, I wasn't mad to pick again because of like the whole when we talked about last episode, Jared Butler's health condition and everything. We don't know how like for how long he can actually play in the NBA. Right. Springer, Springer's nice. I think this is a B plus grade for the Sixers. They got two good centers. One's a stash for sure, and a uh, Petrosev from Serbia, and okay. then you have uh, Bassey, who I think is gonna be a nice backup for Embiid if we decide to like actually utilize him and use him as a backup. But Springer, I think, can come in and make if, – if he gets the minutes, like if he actually earns himself minutes, he can, he can make an immediate impact, especially you put him next to a Matisse Thibault on defense or you have him with Maxi as well. I think his upside, his ceiling could be that of a Marcus Smart, Malcolm Brogdon-type player if he gets to be at that full potential. So I give the Sixers a B-plus on this. I don't see why not. I was thinking around the same lines as you. Kyrie, tell me what's your thoughts on the Sixers draft selections and particularly Jaden Springer himself. What's your thoughts? Yeah, yeah. This is the second good draft in a row for you guys. I'm really, I'm really happy for this draft uh, class for you guys. Jaden Springer, he was somebody I do have some questions about as far as his offensive game when it comes to scoring and, and shooting at a consistent level. But I like his upside as an athlete, as a, as a defender. So that was a pretty good pickup right there for you guys for some point guard depth. I, I like it. I think he could fit a fit well alongside like Shake Milton and Tyrese Maxey, like you guys were saying. Um, Charles, uh, Charles Bass is a guy that I really like, too. I've been a fan of his for a couple years. It's one thing with Dwight as backup. Like, he, of course, he brings the rebounding, he brings the shot blocking, he brings the rim running. But on top of that, I feel like Charles Baxley, he does the same things. And he's a, he also brings, like, a, a nice three-point stroke, too. So I, I'm, I'm really eager to see what you guys uh, use, how you guys use him coming off behind uh, – Coming up behind Joel Embiid, I think he's going to bring a, a different dynamic into the game as a bench center. And Petrusev, I'm I'm not sure uh, really what his situation. I heard Jared mention that he may be a drafting stash, but I do remember him playing at Gonzaga, and uh, he was a pretty solid player there. He wasn't the best shooter, but I think he's about six eleven, seven feet. 
moves really well, has good touch around the basket, and he's pretty athletic. So I'm, I'm, I'm not mad at you guys' draft class at all. I'm, I'll give it myself. I'll give it a B. Okay. All right. So, so far, B, B. And now we're going to move on. So what great – so B and Jared, you said B+. Plus. All right. So now we're going to move on to the Brooklyn Nets in the Atlantic Division. Uh, the Brooklyn Nets, honestly, they were looking for a scorer to be inside that second unit, and I think they found that with Cameron Thomas. Do you guys agree with that or no? You feel like they should have picked up somebody else. Go ahead, Jared. Um, I don't know. I think Thomas is, you could say, the best pure scorer in this draft after Jalen Green. So, so second best. I'm sorry, I said best, but second best. Mm. But I, I don't know if scoring was Brooklyn's issue. I really don't. I mean, I love the fact that you got more scoring off your bench. But I thought one is a contending championship team. They made five draft picks in this draft. That was, I was like, wow. Normally you don't see teams that are literally pieces away from a championship do that. But you also, I thought they might have gone a little bit more so in target a defensive or versatile defender with their pick because of the fact is like you have guys that can score. You got three of them. They didn't really – one of their main problems is the fact that they didn't have any defense. Yeah. And then they added um, – so a lot of the other picks they did get were shooters as well in the later second round, but they, had, they got Dayron Sharp, who was like, that's an old-school big when you look at how he plays. He's a good rebounder, but he's back to the basket, and he kind of got like the clogs of the paint and stuff like that. So I, I don't know how that's going to fit with Brooklyn either. Mm. So I give their drafting a C. They're drafting a C. Kyrie, before I, before um I ask you directly, so you know you gotta think about the big three with the Nets. Uh, how many years on their contracts each and respectively they're on the Nets for? I think James Harden and and KD are like well two year contracts. I think two years. Their contract situation, I'm not even fully aware of. To be honest with you, Jared, um, would you know Jared like the contract situation? Were they like two? Oh, they they're all potentially in line to get an extension. Well, okay. I, I think the extensions that they can get would put them each representatively close to 160 plus, I believe. All right, Kyrie, uh, go ahead and tell me what's your thoughts on Dayron Sharp, Cam Thomas. Just give me your thoughts on those guys. Um, so I, I had the same mindset as Jared when I first seen them uh, when the, in the Nets in the draft maneuvering and going for more draft picks and just picking up a lot of a lot more younger guys. But but when I sit back and think about it, it doesn't really it doesn't really surprise me because that's a team right there who who's depth they're like their main line of of, of bench players are, are getting old they're getting up there in age you think of like a DeAndre Jordan Blake Griffin Jeff Green Mike James had a pretty good playoffs but he's he's up there he's getting up there in age too so I think Brooklyn's seen this as an opportunity and and a very point guard deep heavy uh, point guard deep draft to just stack up on a lot of young prospects that are that. They're going to be able to motor to their bench unit behind KD, um, James and Kyrie because that's their main focus right there. Outside, like like you guys said, outside of scoring, uh, outside of those three guys, they don't really have any problems scoring. But picking up a guy like Cam Thomas, who to me, he he honestly reminds me a lot of like Monte Ellis, where he's able to just come in and get hot from the get go and just attack you from att- attack the basket, hit from hit from the three point range, just create his own shot with ease. So I'm not mad at that pick right there. I think he just has to become more of a focused defender. That was the that was my main uh, knock on him. He's not fully focused on defensive end at, at all times, and as a passer, he could he, he has a lot of room for improvement too. But picking up Dane Ron Sharp to uh, like the big man at a UNC, somebody that can rebound, that can block shots, that can run the floor. I really like that pickup for them because it just gives like an extra boost to their front court, who, who's getting really really old. Then and I I feel like coming into the season, he's going to have a lot of. Uh, a lot of opportunity to grow and a lot of opportunity to play and get familiar with those other guys. So I'm 
I know I've seen a few other people too, like Kessler Edwards out of Pepperdine. He's a pretty good shooter. Um, I watched a lot of his tape, but he just never completely showed me. I I, I want to see if his jump shot and his form, the way it is, translates to the NBA game. That's what I'm. That's what I'm looking forward to. But I don't think I think he's probably going to spend a lot of time in the G League, just like the other, the few other picks. I think the main guys in Dane Ross, Sharper, Cam Thomas that that have like the most opportunity to get burned this season are, are we're pretty good picks for them. I think that they really they fit really well with them. Uh, one thing I want to highlight was you said, Kirby. You said uh, Cam Thomas. You gave him an NBA comparison of Monte Ellis. I mean, Jared, I want to swing it to you. Uh, do you feel like that's a fair comparison? You think it's pretty accurate? Yeah, I'll give him that. Cam Thomas is a straight scorer. I think that's what you're gonna want from him is just to go in and get buckets. You bring him in. He's gonna shoot. He can shoot well. He can create his own shot, which you want from a lot of players nowadays. And he can he can play off ball as well. I wouldn't, I'm not I'm not mad at the comparison. Got you, got you. Okay. You know, so I, I don't think I give a grade, but real quick, I'm a, I'm gonna give them a, a B minus for theirs for for their draft class. B minus, Jerry. What are you rocking with here? I think I'm gonna stay at a C plus. C plus. C right. C plus. Yeah, I'll give it a C C plus. C C plus. All right. Okay. So we move on to New York City. Now, wait, Kyrie, before you trash your team, right, before you trash him, I like the Quentin Grimes pick at 25. I like it. I actually like the pick you guys made in the second round. Now, Miles McBridges, I I, I like the pick. McBride, McBride. McBride, McBride, excuse me, McBride. I actually like the pick for Miles, Miles McBride. I like it. So just go ahead and talk about the draft picks they made with your, your franchise, New York Knicks. So you're right. I had a few days to calm down a little bit, but I, I am still pretty disappointed in what we like we did in our draft. I think having 19 to 21, being in that position, given the type of season we had, I felt like that was perfect for us. And the two original guys that were drafted at that slot, Kai Jones and Keon Johnson, I would have welcomed those two guys in New York with open arms. Yeah, offensively, they're limited. Uh, Kai Jones, he's only been playing basketball for five years. He doesn't have the most experience. Keon Johnson is the best shooter and the best ball handler yet. But when you look at those guys' athleticism, defensive potential, that fits into our identity as like a like a gritty team that that rebounds and defends at a high level and uses that to create to create offense. I feel like those guys those guys were perfect picks. And I'm not knocking Quentin Grimes. I, I seen what he did in the tournament in in all of last season at Houston. He knocked out my team in the, in the in the playoffs for like to, to give him his props. But I feel like we one we could have. There was a lot. There were a lot more people there. I, I would have felt more comfortable with at picking twenty five if we we're going to trade down right there. Then also, I felt like if we really did like him, we really were set in on him. He would. I felt like he would have been there at number thirty four in our second round. Okay, fair, fair. That's so fair. I, it, just that thought process to me didn't it didn't make the most sense to me because I, I, I felt like that was a guy we could have picked up in the second round, and I knew we liked him. And and there's much to like about him: good three pointer, a three good point shooter, defender. Um, leader, he, he's experienced, still pretty young. He's only like 21, but he shot the ball at an efficient rate. He's a, he's a really solid player. My thing is, I felt like there was more talent to, to pick up where we got him, and we could have got him in the second round if we if we actually did want him. Then to move to move on to Miles McBride, I really liked him at the University of West Virginia. That's one of my favorite teams to watch. So I saw his playmaking ability, the defense, the athleticism. And just his, his, his pace of the game is something that really stood out to me, too, the pace he plays the game, a, for, a former uh, quarterback. So he, he's, he's a really smart player out there, and I'm not mad at the pick. Again, I just felt like there were better players available in, in those ranges that we could have picked up that could, that could help us out a little bit better now. And 
another main point I wanted to point out was, all right, so we traded away Kai Jones, Texas big man. We go in with our 58th pick and pick up Jericho Sims. I love Jericho Sims. I've been watching him since his freshman year, and I like the way he developed and what he showed off at the combine. But I just felt like we, we would have made the – I feel like the smarter decision would have been with the guy with the younger guy with the more upside whose game is projected to expand a lot more than Jericho Sims' is. So it, it was just a lot of it was just a lot of stuff that didn't make sense to me, which is the reason why I, I initially wasn't really happy with the draft, with our draft. Um, I calmed down on it a, a bit. I'm, I have a little bit of open, more of an open mind to it, but I'm I'm still not satisfied. Ah. So, so what great way, Jeff? I swing it to you, man. What grade are you giving the Knicks? Oh I, I gotta give him a D, bro. I gotta go with a D. Ah, a D now, Jeff. Yeah. Talk to me, Jerry. What's your thoughts on the Knicks draft picks? Do you feel the same sentiments grade-wise? See, I'm not, I don't have that personal attachment to the Knicks, so I wasn't that mad at what they did. They what, traded to, they traded pick 19 for a future first, then they traded for pick 21 for pick 25. Like, they did a lot of good trades. I weren't mad at the trades. Quentin Graham, I think, fits a, a need for a scoring guard. He's a good shooter. McBride has shown that he could be a good playmaking skills, he, and he's a very good defender. So, again, they got two good players that you, you, you kind of want to see when they had some other people fall off their board, probably, and that's kind of why they also traded, traded back. Um, I don't know. I think they also got – what is uh, – I know I'm going to butcher his name. Rokas uh, Yokubatis? Yeah, the Lithuanian guy. Yeah, that was a, that's a stash. That's a drafting stash guy. You're going to develop overseas for Barcelona. Um, it's not like they did the bad picks. Like, again, I think Grimes – is going to really you, – you're probably going to see him right away for this team when it comes into coming off the bench in a Thibodeau system because you need – they needed more of a scoring guard and shooter. And then McBride, I think, is going to find his niche in minutes because the Knicks have guys where I don't know how Kevin Knox still plays into that team. I don't know how – I don't think they're going to really bring back Reggie Bullock. If they do, it, it, it's, minutes might get split between them. But I think they have those two guys right there playing Robinson McBride. I think they, it's not a bad pick. They weren't bad picks. You could have easily gotten them, again, like he said, a little bit later. But they wanted them immediately. They made a couple of trades. So I'm, I'll give it a B minus what they did this for that draft. I'll give it a B minus. All right. A B minus, a B minus. Okay. So, so far, Kyrie gave it a D. Jay gave it a B. All right. So we're going to move on to the next team in, in the. In the, in the division, the Boston Celtics. Now, they only had a long pick in the second round, the 45th pick, Jahan Begarin. He's a point guard from France. Uh, he seems like a draft and stash type of guy. He's only 19, but he had a seven-foot wingspan and only 6'6". So he's got really long arms and the scoring ability. I've watched him tape. is there. It's evident. Just wish your thoughts on him as the Celtics' long draft pick, and how do you think he moves forward with the team when he does is able to return to the team? Uh, I want to swing it to Jared first, but Jared. Uh, yeah, he's a that's a that's a stash prospect. You're gonna he's a he's a you're gonna stash him, probably let him grow and groom. Again, this is draft. There's a lot of 18 year olds in this draft, so you're gonna let him polish his game. Um, I was I was kind of surprised that he even fell to 45. I thought he might have gone a little bit earlier in the second round. No, I know for sure he was gonna be a second rounder, but I thought he was gonna go a little bit earlier. I know they listed him saying he had a seven foot wingspan, so that's always huge when it goes comes to translating and going to the rim, attacking the basket. Um, Boston with this only this being their only draft pick wasn't really they could do much anyway. I think they just took for them a, a player that filled a need for later on in the future potentially. Right. So I, I'll just give their pick a C. A C. Okay. And that, that's a, yeah. I think it's just a, a good C. 
I got you. I got you. No, I, 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 I'm on the same lane with you. Kyrie, talk to me. Are you really thinking about the Celtics long draft pick for 2020? Um, I'm not even going to lie to you. This might want to be one of the few guys I actually don't know anything about. I've never seen – never heard of him or never seen him play before. Mm. Um, I feel like there were, there were better prospects. There were still guys available that could have picked. I, me personally, I would have liked B.J. Boston or uh, Charles Bassett or even Sandra Mamushka, uh, Mamuka. I can't really say his name. Struggle his name too. I knew but the the uh, the the point forward from Seton Hall. Yes, those are some guys I would like to seen. I could have seen going there at number forty five. I think they would have been better fits, and they could have played now. Um, like I said, it's, it's hard for me to grade this pick because I've never seen him play. I don't want to. I don't want to trash the pick and, and and not give the guy a chance. So I'm I'm just going to see. Okay. All right. So, so, I mean, the Celtics, their only draft pick for the season. We go on to the last team in the Atlantic division, the Toronto Raptors. Now, they made three selections. David Johnson from Louisville with the 47th pick in the second round. Delano Bates in from Nebraska. He was the 46th. And then the most surprising pick was Scotty Barnes with the fourth pick, which I was – ah, man. I, I like – I love Scotty Barnes, Kyrie. I love Scotty Barnes. But I just felt like Jalen Suggs was – you know, Kyle Lars preparing to leave. For sure. It was perfect for Jalen Suggs to come in, just take the keys right there. But they picked Scotty Barnes. He felt like he was the better fit. I mean, what's your thoughts, Kyrie? Just give me your thoughts on the draft selection at number four. Yeah, so uh, me, like a lot of other people, thought Jalen Suggs was a lock right there. It only made the most sense being that, um, one, he's a pretty – as a guard, he's a really, really good defender, which was something that Toronto and Nick Nurse values. Um, Kyle Lowry's leaving a free, most likely leaving a free agency. So it, it just seemed like Jalen Suggs was was the pick right there. But there were a lot of rumors that they they really liked Scotty Barnes during his workouts and when they brought him in and stuff. So th- I, I feel like if they seen something there that they feel like they could pair, they could make fit in between OG and Anubi and Pascal Siakam, like as the four and the, as the three and the four. I, I'm not mad at the pick. I could definitely see him them run, them running him at point guard at certain times or running some plays through him. Because he has that playmaking ability, he has the ability to do that, and they have the scores around him to make that work. So, and not even to mention, like I said, like I mentioned with the defense in Toronto, they, that's something that they're that's what they hang their hat on. That's what something Nick Nurse values most. So, him being able to guard all five positions, able to be able to run the floor, rebound, and take the ball uh, in transition to, and to find the open guy to get the bucket for, for himself, that's definitely he's he's definitely a Toronto type of player. And offensively, like as a scorer, I. I I can see them seeing him similar to a project of a uh, of a Pascal Siakam when they first got him, who's pretty athletic, has some ball handling ability, has some ability to finish, but he just didn't have everything put together yet, and he just needed some time to grow. So I think they're going to have to take that same approach with Scotty Barnes, and he's going to be successful with them. Okay, I, I like that. I like that analysis. I mean, Jared. I mean, I'm pretty sure. Were you shocked that the Toronto Raptors take Scotty Barnes with the fourth pick, or did you? Ask- yeah, they should. Suggs was supposed to go fourth. It was that was so Suggs pick. I'm not mad at Scotty Barnes. It's just like that was Suggs' pick. I think the the Suggs and the Raptors are going to be. That's what you wanted to see. Yeah. Um. Again, I think he has a. a, It's it's a good fit, I guess, when you consider what the Raptors have. I think they're probably going to be moving on from Siakam then if you take him, and he's going to miss the start of the season anyway with that uh, offseason shoulder surgery. He can come in and fill the role seamlessly. He is a good playmaker. Uh, he needs to really work on his jump shot a bit more, but he he has like right now a Draymond Green X type of game when it comes to his offensive defensive uh, abilities. So I'm not really mad at that pick. I think again, I think Suggs would have been a really good pick for them. But again, Scotty Barnes was hyped. He was really hyped a lot to 
before like Suggs really started taking off when he's playing for Gonzaga, Scotty Barnes was ranked higher than Suggs. He was that that's how well he was talked about. So there, I, you know the Raptors had a tough choice to make when they had to make that pick. Um then in the second round, they, they kind of took like a couple other guys here and there when they took uh, Delano Benton from Nebraska and then they took David Johnson from Louisville. And I think those were just prospect players, a uh, sharpshooting guard and a prospect point guard. Like those two picks I'm not mad at. You, you basically got guys again that you're going to be developmenting, development projects. But I think Scotty Barnes is the real gem here. If you can have Nick Nurse like really coach him up and help him become a more consistent three-level scorer, then you, you got a very good pick here. So I'll, I'll give the grade a B plus. Okay, that's pretty good. I like the analysis as well. So, I mean, I think overall everyone liked the pick. So, now, before we go on to the next division in the, the Eastern Conference, which is the Central Division, the NBA, uh, if you guys weren't aware, but you guys may may not know, uh, it was a young draft prospect who was supposed to be drafted uh, to make his dream come true. His name was Terrence Clark, and unfortunately he – he lost his life in a car accident, and the NBA did something that makes me just love the NBA. Uh, they honored him at draft night. Uh, he's an NBA player now, uh, and rest in peace to him and to his family. I know they're having it tough, but he's in a better place, and he's officially an NBA player now. So rest in peace to Terrence Clark and his family. So just wanted to get that out there. So now we go on to the Central Division. We go on to the Milwaukee Bucks. They had one selection inside the draft, and I can't pronounce his name, but he's from Greece as the Greek freak, Georges Kalazakis. So he's a small forward, and uh, I'm not too sure on him. I'm not. I don't have a much. I don't have much information. He's probably the only prospect I'm not that aware of. But Jared, would you mind elaborating on him as a prospect, and what do you think? Um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know that really much about him either. Cause I believe what they reportedly traded pick 31 to the wizards for the two second rounders. Um, I know, uh, mama, cause what's his name? I don't know how to pronounce his name. It's, it's, it's so unfortunate, but I know he's a biggies player of the year last season. He's averaging 12 points and six boards a game. And then the other player from Greece that you just mentioned, uh, is he's a drafting stash. Again, a lot of teams I think are doing that in this draft where they're going to get guys that are prospects. Because this is a team that's a champ. They just want a championship. They're probably going to try and bring guys back. They already kept the core of their big three. They're just trying to run it back again. So for this draft, you're not really getting guys that are going to be immediate impact players. You're just getting guys that you want to develop. Hello? Yeah, I think we might have lost Colin there. But I like your analysis. I think I like your analysis. Kyle, are you back with us? Yeah, I got you. I got you. Right, so what, right. what grade would, would you get at, Jared? Um, I'll give it a C. I'll give, them, I'll give it a draft a C. Got you. Kyrie, what's your thoughts on, on the Milwaukee Bucks uh, draft selection? Um, well, I don't know much about Mr. Irrelevant this year, number 60. Uh, I agree <laughs> with Jared. He's probably a drafting stash. Um. I do like uh, Sandro Ma- Sandro Mamu. That's what I'm gonna call him. Uh, the, the point forward at Seton Hall that I mentioned earlier. He brings three point shooting. He brings a lot of floor uh, floor spacing and a lot of playmaking ability from three different levels. So I like that pick right there. He's probably not going to be featured much. Um, you know, Milwaukee is coming off a championship. They do have a very uh, very like set roster and a very set rotation that they use. So it, it, it's hard to picture him getting him a lot getting a lot of minutes. But I think he is a guy you you let him work up in the G League, you let him get his, you let him get acclimated to the athleticism and speed of the game, and you just let you just bring him in when he's ready. 
and he'll bring a lot of different he'll bring a lot of different dimensions to uh to the to the Milwaukee Bucks and I, and yeah I it's just I, I don't understand why they really traded the 31st pick I feel mm-hmm. like they could have maybe got a guy that that's able to contribute now but then again they're, they're the champions they they have a tight rotation they probably didn't see anybody like super valuable there so I'll, I'll give the pick a C plus the C plus the C plus all right. And that's fine. I, I like both of you guys' analysis, but we move on to the next team. We go to the Indiana Pacers, who I think might have been the second biggest winners in the Eastern Conference, in my opinion. Uh, the 13th pick, Chris Duarte. I was actually surprised at how old he was. He's 24. So, I mean, you know, I, I think that kind of limits his ceiling to a certain extent. But, you know, uh, people love him. And then they got Isaiah Jackson. He was traded from two different teams to finally land with the Pacers. So it's actually a great thing for Isaiah Jackson to go there. Uh, what's your thoughts on the Indiana Pacers draft selection, Jared? Just tell me what they have in your opinion and what they could do with these prospects. I like it. I mean, I like the Pacers. They didn't. It's not a draft night that you'll say make headlines, but they they added two pieces that like quietly added two pieces that fit their seam and fit their current roster. Duarte, I think, is NBA ready. Uh, he comes in, can, he's a 3 and D wing player. That's what the NBA is moving into now. He can knock down shots and he can defend at a high level, especially with them potentially losing Doug McDermott when free agency starts. That's a guy that comes in, he could be a good security blanket. And then Jackson, I think, is, he's a raw prospect, but he, you, you have somebody that's going to be learning under Miles Turner, and that's, I think, great for his player development. So I think they had a, a, a good draft. I give it an A. A, 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 a indeed. Kyrie, talk to me. I, I, I think it's an A minus. Jerry's rocking with the A. Would you be the final? Can we get an A or no? Oh, um, I can go ahead and agree with that. The Pacers are a simple team, and they went and they they're not going to do anything like crazy or outlandish. Yeah, Duarte may, might have been a reach at uh at thirteen, but I can agree with Jared. He's probably one of the most NBA ready prospects. You mentioned it, Colin. He's twenty four. He went the JUCO route to get the uh, to get to Oregon, so he he knows how to work and put the time in. To to uh to like perfect his craft and to to perfect his role with it with the team and his role with Oregon last year was simply to shoot the ball and defend and he did that at a high level shot over forty percent from three defended his behind off in the in the tournament I remember watching him and I was just like yo like this guy's going crazy right now so I I I think like I said I think it's a little bit high but I think for a team like Indiana that's simple that's going to play their style of game like no matter what. I like him. I like him in Indiana. I think he's going to get a lot of a lot of playing time and a lot of opportunity there. As far as Isaiah Jackson, I really like the pick too because I felt as though they really needed a, a rim running, shot blocking center that could potentially do some more down the line behind That's Miles cool. Turner. I'm not really. I wasn't. I was never really super hyped about Goga Patat today. The other big men that they drafted, of, I think, in 2018, 2019. Yes. So I've never been, never been high on him. Uh, he always seems to make a lot of mistakes and just isn't really like the best fit there. So I think getting a guy like Isaiah Jackson that brings more athleticism and more uh, like a, a bigger motor. I, I really like the pick right there. I like the fit for him as well. I think he's going to get a lot of opportunity too. Absolutely. I'm high on Isaiah Jackson as a Kentucky fan. He was one of the solely bright spots, in my opinion. And I thought, had you know, he could have done a lot more at Kentucky. But, you know, listen, he's in a great position. Even uh, though Kentucky had a, had a pretty disappointing season, he, he, he stood out as one of the best shot blockers in college for me. He asked like early. Yes. Yes, he was phenomenal, in my opinion. So I, I'm glad he's in the best situation for him for his NBA career. He's just got to put the work in, which he will do. So. I'm very happy to see that. 
So we move on to the next team in the Central Division. We go to the Chicago Bulls, and they drafted a player I wanted so much, Io from the from Illinois. I think the, this is a phenomenal pick for the Bulls, especially having as a backup for Kobe White. I think he has the potential. You know, if he if he does put the work in it, he could probably take that starting spot. Uh, I mean, Jerry, what's your thoughts on Io and the Chicago Bulls draft selection in the second round? I liked it. I wasn't mad at that pick. I think he fits the team, what they have. He's a strong playmaker. He embraces contact when he drives to the rim. He's a good on-ball defender. And I think he was one of the best guards in college basketball last season. So I think he gives Chicago a good presence when it comes to the backcourt. Um, it's not like this is a team right now. We look at Chicago. They have a, a, they're really like inept at guard depth. Like they have some good guards. I think he just comes in and fights for minutes. He's going to get potentially a chance to really shine because of the fact that he could earn himself a, or cement himself into a good spot and off the bench. So I like him. I think it was a good pick for them. They got a guy that not a lot of people were talking about as much for him to fall to 38. So I think it was a good pick. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Kyrie, just what's your thoughts on, on IO being drafted to his hometown in the Chicago Bulls? Man, Colin, just like you wanted him in Philly, I wanted him in New York, bro. That was one guy <laughs> that I really had, uh, that I really had like my target set on um, in this, in this draft. But the bit the Bulls made the best of their their only their one and only pick in this class. They brought home the home the hometown kid, uh, the guard from uh, Illinois. You know, I think he he he's going to bring the defense and the the playmaking at the point guard position that Chicago desperately needed. They haven't really had like a, I guess a really well all around point guard that that does his thing on the defensive end too that like to really compare alongside Zach Levine or Kobe White, which is part of the main reason why it hasn't really worked out there. So you bring in Io who's six five that can play both guard positions and guard both uh guard both guard positions and has the potential to become a, a better scorer than what we've seen in uh at Illinois. I really like the pick. I'm gonna give the pick an A. All right. So I, I'm giving it an A. I love him. I think, honestly speaking, you guys could tell me whether you agree with me or not. I think he has the potential to be a, a, a triple-double type of guy. You guys oh, like, for sure. I feel, yeah, like, do I feel like he does. That's why I'm so excited about him. I just hope the Bulls give him the opportunity. Granted, if he puts the work in, but I hope it's just all about giving him the opportunity. So I don't think the Bulls are going anywhere next year. Do you guys think they are? I don't think so, and I think that's okay because I, I think they they do need one more year to kind of, I guess, kind of put that nucleus together to kind of build like a like a different identity around the team. They have to be more like focused on defense, in my opinion, because yeah, they can score. Zach Levine can score with the best of them. Nikola Vucevic and Kobe White can score with the best of them. But outside of Patrick uh, Patrick Williams, they don't really have a guy on that team that's really known for defense. And that's like a like a legitimate ball stopper. So picking up Io right here, I think. One, it puts the planets in motion a little bit more and at a at a more efficient rate, and they're they just it's just a, a big step in, in rebuilding who they are and who, who they are uh, identity wise as a team. No problem, I like that so much. All right, now we go to the second to last team in the Central Division. We go to the Cleveland Cavaliers, and this pick right here, the Cavaliers got themselves a generational prospect. And the most, in my opinion, the most exciting big man since Carl Anthony Towns. I mean, some people may say DeAndre Ayton here. I I don't know, but I'm going to say it was the most exciting where you knew his potential was like, this kid is going to be some since Carl Anthony Towns back in 2015. And honestly, they get an A-plus for this because this pick, Evan Mobley, 
any other draft, he's fighting for that number one spot because in history, big men are favored more than guards. So, I mean, tell me, Jay, what's your thoughts about Evan Mobley and how he could potentially change the Cleveland Cavaliers with the backcourt they have and the three they have in Isaac Okoro? I like this young team. I like the Cavs. The Cavs look exciting to me. Talk to me. Um, No, I like the pick. I mean, honestly, this was the right move for them. You get the best big man in the draft. You're pairing him next to a young Jared Allen, and you probably bring him back. You're going to have the, one of the best front court tandems in the NBA, if not the best, if you want to make the argument as the years go by, depending yes. on how they both improve and grow, because his versatility, he can play inside and out. Yes. Like, this is this is a guy that can work as a power forward or a center. You can, you've seen that he can shoot the ball, he can drive to the basket, I, I, he plays good defense. Like His upside, his ceiling is Anthony Davis, and that's a huge – huge comparison seeing how well Anthony Davis has played basketball and just coming off a ring two years ago. So I like the Evan Moby pick. This is a team that's really gearing up to finally maybe start making pushes as a young team. So I like it. I, I think this, this is an A plus two in my opinion. They got the best big in the draft. Mm, no question. Kyrie, they got themselves a franchise player in Evelyn and Evan Mobley. Agree or disagree? Oh, definitely got to agree. When was the last time Cleveland's had, like, a, a, a dynamic center? Anthony Bennett. Oh, no, that oh was, man. That was, that was just a hey, I feel like the last one was probably, like, the Junior Sobowskis, and that's saying something. Uh-huh. So, picking up a guy like Evan Mobley right here to pair with uh, with the backcourt of uh, Colin Sexton and Darius Darling, it was, it was the best possible choice they could have made. And I think that's the best – that's one of the best decisions they made in years since LeBron first left. This is one of the best draft decisions they ever made, probably, like, since drafted Kyrie Irving. Ah. So, you get a guy like Evan Mobley that can block shots, who can become a better rebounder but has the length to do so at an efficient rate coming in. I like his jump shot. I feel like his jump shot is going to translate to the NBA game, to the three-point level, and he has some ball-handling ability. So, bringing a guy in like that that can, some, like, at some point down the line, be a big man that can go and get his own bucket. It's something Cleveland hasn't seen in, in, in generations, in decades. So it, it's definitely an A-plus pick for me. It's something they needed. I hope they keep Conley Sexton together with Darius Garland because I think that's going to be another uh, – a, a very good backcourt tandem in the, in the years to come too. If you're a Cavs fan, how, how excited are you coming into the next season? Even though you might not make the playoffs, just how excited are you Are you as a Cavs fan? Uh, you can't get too excited if you're a Cavs fan. You can't get too excited. <laughs> I would be excited enough to know that the roster is starting to come together. You're probably still going to try and move off of Colin Sexton and Kevin Love. But well, Kevin Love has Garland is your point guard. You now can move a, a core to the two. You figure out who your three is going to be. Is it Seti Osman or Wade still going to be there? You now have Mobley and Jared Allen. Like you got, they, they're, they're building their young core up. And that's what you want to see if you're a Cavs fan, knowing that we're slowly but surely getting better. And then with the Kevin Love situation, if I'm the Cavs, I let Kevin Love, you know, God, Evan Mobley, show him the ropes. No matter what you say, Kevin Love is that was an all-star and double-double monster. So you having Evan Mobley study under him can only benefit him for his future. So, you know, you guide the young man for maybe until the deadline or, you know, whatever they decide to do, and then, you know, you pull the trigger. Is that, is that agreeable or no? I think, yeah, I think it works out depending on how, like, because a lot of it – does, it, it depends on how – What's Kevin Love's value too? Kevin Love might just be on the Cavs until his contract runs out, or they find, or they might potentially find a trade partner for him. We, we really don't know. So, because he's also coming off his injury, where he's saying he's still a little bit hurt, banged up. So, 
Uh, right now, Mobley's best bet, depending on how the Cavs see it, is to really ask as many questions as you can and, and definitely talk to Kevin Love. He's a champion. He was one of the best power forwards at a certain point in his career. So, yeah, uh, definitely. Absolutely. So now we go to the last team in the Central Division. Last but certainly not least, the Detroit Pistons, the AKA biggest winners of this draft, the number one pick. They drafted a transcendent talent. Well, excuse me, a great superstar talent. They get Cade Cunningham. And then they also pick Isaiah Livers with the second round pick in the draft. The 42nd pick, they take Isaiah Livers. Then they go with Luca Garza with the 52nd pick. I mean, honestly, you got Cade, you got Isaiah Livers, and you got Luca. I think the Pistons had a very, very great draft. Would you would you not think so, Jared? No, I, I give it an A. I think they had a good draft. Like, again, Cade, six foot eight combo guard, basically. He has the most polished skill set of any player in this draft class. Uh, you bring him onto a roster that has Jeremy Grant, Sadiq Bey, Isaiah Stewart, and now he can either initiate an offense or play off ball alongside their last lottery pick, which is Killian Hayes, who I also like. So I'm just like, man, this is you, you got a nice starting five. It's going to be a good core. And then your second round, Livers is a two-way four with good size, has good defensive prowess. And then Garza, I think it was he's worth a shot from any team that was going to consider bringing him in because he had a dominant – he was dominant last season in college basketball. He has worked and developed his on his three-point shot. He now I know he has limited speed and lateral movement, but I think that shouldn't really be that much of an issue depending on how you utilize him in an offense. So uh, or especially then you, you could try how you might use him in a defense as well, but I think he can just probably be a stationary big where he's going to try and just be in a, a nice little zone or a jump cover. So, it's, again, I like the, the draft that the Pistons did. They're trying to show their fan base that where one got you a franchise player, he's going to lead them from day one. And two, that they're trying to build upon something that they're no longer in the all-star Andre Drummond, uh, Blake Griffin uh, wave anymore. They're trying to move, get younger, and hopefully go back to being a relevant team. All right. Okay. I definitely like this draft. Kyrie. Cade Cunningham, transcended superstar. He's able to change the Pistons franchise for the years to come. You agree with that? Oh, I can't disagree. No, the Pistons did what they were supposed to do. They had a very, very good draft. When you think of Cade Cunningham, Luca Garza, and Isaiah Livers all together, those were the three, like three of the best guys in college basketball all of last season. So it's one thing to pick up Cade Cunningham. Yeah, combo guard. Even can play some small forward down the line. Elite ball handling ability, elite vision, elite scoring ability. He can do everything. That's something they definitely needed. But you go and pick up a guy like Isaiah Livers from Michigan. From uh, he's pretty much playing in his hometown now. He's from Michigan. Um, he can shoot the lights out. He's a solid defender. That's a good win. That's a good rotational win guy to have. And I'm so happy Luca Garza got drafted, bro. There were so many people acting like he wasn't going to get drafted or that that he he, he uh like he wasn't even good enough to get drafted. I know. But when you, but when you look. And see that he went like right after uh, Iowa season, and that he went and lost thirty pounds, and and went and he he was improving his his footwork and his mobility. And I, I'm really like I'm really appreciative of that. And I felt like the Pistons appreciated seeing that work put in too, because now he's lighter. We knew the scoring ability of the post is there. We knew the jump shot was there, but it was just the defense and him being able to contain guards and other big men on the block. So I, I got to give the Pistons an A plus. They had a very very complete draft in my eyes. They have a good core coming up with Isaiah Stewart. Sadiq Bay, Jeremy Grant, Killian Hayes. Now you add these guys. They're, they're really set on uh, for the future now. Now, guys, two things. Pistons, do you say they compete for the playoffs as the AC this upcoming season, or you think it's another two years? 
no. I don't. I don't think this. I don't think this is going to be the year. Depending, you never know because you never know how the season plays out. It could be another injury play season like uh, like last year. Mm. The Pistons might might could, could go on a. I could see them going on a high streak and sneaking into like a play in tournament or something. Okay. So I wouldn't put it past them, but they have a lot of young talent and they, and they have head coach Dwayne Casey, who I never put anything by, who I'm, I'm, I always trust. So yeah. I, I think they're gonna they're, they might be a year away, two years away from like genuinely competing. But I wouldn't put it past them if they sneak the spot into a play in or something this season. Gotcha. Honestly, yeah. I, I said no, but you might be right because let's let's be honest. There are a lot of people say it's even now. It's not. Eastern Conference is not even with the West. Let's be fairly let's nope. be very honest. There's it's literally three <laughs> teams. You might now say there's four teams, but there's, there's a big three in the East, and that's it. And then the rest of the teams fall in line. Let's be honest. Oh, like man. the Knicks oh, no. and Hawks both had a 41-31 season, but then after that, the Heat 40 and 32, good. Celtics 36-36. They split even. The Wizards were 34 and 38. The Pacers were 34 and 38. The Hornets were 33 and 39. The Bulls were 31 and 41. And then, mind you, the Pacers, Hornets, and Wizards were all fighting for that playing spot for the AC. They all had losing records. Wow. The East is really bad. So, I, again, there's, the Pistons have a chance of making the playoffs. I think they're going to be – I think they'll be better than 20 and 52 this season. Oh, absolutely. They should. They absolutely should. Bury any injuries aside, of course. But, yeah, they should. So, I think they'll be better than that. I don't know if this is me saying, hey, they'll go to a, a play-in spot. But I think they have a chance. Like, relatively any team in the Eastern Conference have a chance of making the play-in spot. Because you're in a conference where you it's, it depends on really just one bad incident or just how well your teams are on a roll. Like, the Cavaliers can make a play-in spot this season, I think. I think the Bulls have a chance of really doing it this year. The Hornets, I believe, are on the rise. So, again, it really just goes to how well they fit and play as a unit right away because it's not like the Pistons don't have a good team. They, they have some good young players led by Jeremy Grant. I think they could potentially do it. All right, that's fair. I, I definitely love hearing your analysis, Jerry and Kyrie. So now we move on from that division and we go to the final division of the Eastern Conference. We go to the Southeast Division of the Eastern Conference and Atlantic, the Atlantic Hawks, the team that ousted your Knicks, Kyrie, and they had a better draft. Sorry, just had to point that out to you, man. Uh, hey, it's the truth, bro. It's the truth. <laughs> when you get Jalen Johnson and that man, Sharif Cooper, that's an A plus in my eyes. I don't, and it's surprising that both these guys slid too. I think they both got. So if you had to rank that Hawks in terms of who had the best drafts, I, where would you put the Hawks? I think they're the top five. Oh, they, they'll definitely be in top five. Considering they only had two picks, too. Exactly. And they nailed both of them, in my opinion. So, Kyrie, tell me, give me your thoughts on Jalen Johnson from Duke and the Sharif Cooper. Tell me. So, I like Jalen. Jalen Johnson coming here, me and, me and Lodge, pretty, I think we, he was talking with us, too, Colin. We said it, that, that that possibly means John Collins might be walking in free agency. Oh, my. So, and they also traded away Bruno Fernando. So, that, four, that, that depth at the four position is thinning out. So to where you only have uh, Yeko Okungu right now and, and you have John Collins as a free agent. So picking up Jalen Johnson, somebody that has a lot of similarities in his game to uh, John Collins, he can be a nice pick and roll threat. He can handle it a little bit. He can play above, above the rim, has a nice jump shot from the outside. I'm not mad at the pick. And, and I think right here, at, what pick was that, number 20, I want to say? Uh, Jalen Johnson was 22nd. 22nd pick in the draft. 20, all right, yeah, you can consider that a steal. Yeah, absolutely. You consider that in Sharif Cooper in the yeah. second round. That's now that's definitely a steal. And I can see why a lot of teams might have shot away from him given his size and the clip that he shot the ball at at, uh, at Auburn last season. I think he shot under forty percent, um, at, like in, in general field goal percentage. 
So I can definitely see why a lot of teams were a little hesitant. But when you got a guy like that that came in and completely turned around that Auburn team, put up 20 points and eight dimes a game with a steal. He was playing I good defense. Play to bench in that. I can't I can't remember how many. I know he missed like what 10 games, probably around he 10 missed, games. He missed more. He missed he only played Jared, he only played like not not even double digits games. Not even oh, uh Cooper. Yeah, they didn't even play uh, 12, I think, this season. Oh, 12. Okay, 12. Yeah, see, so he didn't really get his feet wet, and he still made a nice impact and still showed that he was able to hang with the guys at the college level. I mean, not, not to mention he's playing in the SEC. So I, I, I like the picks. I got to get a Hawks at A. They had a better draft than they knocked us off the playoffs. They're just doing everything better than us right now. <laughs> Jerry, talk to me about the love for these picks you may or may not have. Talk to no, me. I, I give it a day. I hey. like it. I know there's going to be the John Johnson Duke haters because they say quit. Everything was going on during yeah. that season with Duke. It was a, it was a bad year for them. I think, that's, I think that's also why I said because that's a mentality thing. and A lot right. of teams don't want that a part of the organization because this is like kind of like the Michael Porter mm. thing going on with the Nuggets where he's like uh, that they just have these egos and they teams just don't want that right now. So I, I still like him. I like him as a player. I think he brings good ball handling ability. He, he can push the ball in transition. He has good passing skills as a four. He's a pick-and-roll threat. I think he needs to work on his perimeter, and he's an okay defender, but I think he, he brings value to them off the bench. And I think Cooper was a steal. I, I know that he, he's he's undersized and that you got to work on the turnover issues because he did also, in those 12 games, average four turnovers a game. But you have to just look at the fact that he's one of the best passers of the draft, and he has a feel for the game as a four general, which is what the Hawks needed off their bench. They needed a four general because when Trey Young was off the bench, they didn't really have anybody that could really create shots besides him or create or find make good looks because of the fact that everybody else on the team was either a primary scorer or a shooter that was a, an off ball shooter. So I think bringing him in is going to be good for them. He's going to be a good backup for young. And I, I like the pick. I think they get an A draft. And then Trey young taking Sharif under his wing. Maybe Trey young could give him some, you know, shooting pointers. And it's just such a perfect spot for Sharif Cooper. That's a much a Rondo. Oh man, Ron, no, I'm I'm so... Ron not even there no more. Oh, I Ron, forgot. Yeah. Sorry, sorry. I forgot. I thought he was there. That would have been even better. I almost went along too. Man, <laughs> I'd love that Sharif is there. He's in the best spot possible for him. There's no other place that would have been better. Besides the Sixers, of course, besides us. But the best possible spot for him. All right. So now we move on to the next team, the Miami Heat. They didn't necessarily have any draft selections. So I'm so there's nothing to talk about with them. So we move on to the Washington Wizards. They traded away their 22nd pick, uh, Isaiah Jackson, to us for Aaron Holiday. What are your thoughts about that trade uh, as Aaron Holiday being possibly the future point guard for the Wizards? He'll be a good backup. Yeah, he's not, he's not going to. I like yeah, Aaron he, was, he wasn't really he's getting not gonna be no minutes. starter or nothing. Yeah, he wasn't really getting minutes for the Pacers, so he'll be a good backup. Um, I like the draft they had though. They had a deep point yeah, draft. Corey, Corey Crisper from Gonzaga, dude's the best shooter in the draft. Yeah, I think I think he was the best marksman in the draft. This guy can shoot, and that's what the Wizards are now trying to give Beal is shooters. Because again, this is a team that's going to be the best defensively, but they will be able to shoot the lights out the gym, and that's what they do is they're a high offensive team. So they brought another weapon, and then Isaiah Todd from the G League Ignite team. He showed flashes of having good offensive skills. I think uh, he showed impact. They can be a guy that can uh, grab from the glass and he could be good defensively. So I, I'm not mad at their draft. I'll give it a B. Okay. All right. B plus. I, I was I was looking at B plus. I was looking at B plus. Kyrie, what, what's your thoughts on that? Um, 
I think the Wizards really needed to go with a point guard in this draft. And I know it was hard considering they had the 15th pick, but there were still guys there like Trey Mann, Bowens Highland, Jaden Springer. It might have been a little high, but I, I would have seen them in a, I would like to see them in a position where they possibly trade down to, to draft a point guard. Seeing that they uh they just traded Russell Westbrook to the Lakers. So, but picking up Corey Kispert, who I gotta agree with Jared, I've been saying that all season long. He's the best, he was the best shooter in college basketball. And he could do more than that. He's not just a spot-up shooter. He's good off the ball, and he's good at uh, uh, coming up in transition and coming off the pins down, coming off the screens, and just lighting it up from outside, even using the six-seven frame to, to bully smaller guards into the paint. So I really like that pick right there. I don't know if he's, how they're going to really uh, use that or how they're really going to maneuver that with him and Denny, who they drafted uh, last year, kind of like this, kind of the same size. Um, so I'm, I'm really eager to see what they're going to do with that. With Isaiah Todd, though, I think he's going to be nice energy off the bench. He's a pretty good shooter for, for, uh, for a four-man, really athletic. He just needs to put everything in his game together. I want to see him become a better rebounder, just a little more physical out there. But I think he's going to be a nice project to have behind Rui Yachimura. Absolutely. So the Wizards looking into the next season, what's, what's their potential outlook for them in the, in the upcoming season, in your guys' opinion? It's going to be easy. It's going to be easier to say when we see what happens with Bradley Bill if he if he actually requests a trade or not, and they they uh, fulfill that request and, and, and ship him off somewhere because right. they they need to tear it down. They 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 just need a fresh. I just feel like they needed a fresh start. They need to move on from the Bradley Bill era. I, that's why I reference. They needed a point guard because you to to. I feel like for a rebuild, you have to have a point guard like set in place that jumpstart everything. Ex- exactly. That can be, that's an extension of the coach, and that's going to keep all the guys like kind of mess all the guys together. So I I don't see much of them coming into next season. I think if Bradley Bill does these, of course they, they're gonna play a lot better and they're gonna they're probably go to five for a play in tournament too. But I, I think it's just time for them to, to tear it down. Yes absolutely Jared I believe you said those same sentiments too sir. Yeah Bill's availability is like unless he asks for a trade this Wizards team will still have some sort of relevancy where they can potentially make a playing spot or an AC. I think it really depends if he either asks for a trade or what they do in the free agency to help kind of surround him with things. So they have like now some cap now that they moved on they from Russ's contract, who's making forty-four million. So it really depends on what they do. I don't, I don't know, but I like the draft. I can say that they added pieces that were much needed. All right then. So with that being said, we move on to the next team in the Southeast Division, uh, besides the Hawks. I- Yeah, I don't know where he's going with that. <laughs> I just cut out. That was the – oh, that hurts to hear. Uh, I'm trying to see what team he was, he was going to bring on next. I'm trying to see the next Gordon team did. was the Hornets. The Hornets. All right, so, yeah, what you think about James Booknight? They picked up James Booknight, Todd Jones. How do you, how you feel about their draft? Oh, man, they, they had a great draft. They had probably one of the best drafts. See, I think they were also one of the teams that had the best drafts in the league because Booknight not only plays on ball, but he also plays off ball. He can – he's an explosive scoring guard. You put him next to LaMelo, I think that's a great move. You still have guys like Terry Rozier, Gordon Hayward and Miles Bridges, P.J. Washington. He, he has – he feels a, a nice need off the bench. And I think he's just a plug-in guy. He'll, he'll get minutes right away, I think, when he gets there because of the fact that I think he just fits so well. He can, he can shoot – I think he's a better shooter than what was showcased at UConn because he tried, was trying to do so much. So I like the fit. And then Kai Jones – the the air the way of Cody Zeller is over. The air of Cody Zeller is their big. I think it's finally over. They're getting good bigs. They also made that trade to get Mason Plumley. They now have Kai Jones, who's a mobile, athletic big man. And then you, you can see him running in transition in the fast break. 
it's it's gonna be something they really need because he they they need to fill a void in the middle so badly. And I like Kai Jones. So I'm not mad at what they did in this draft. I think it really helped them out in more ways than one, especially again, I you have to put so much emphasis on the fact that I think Cody Zeller's time as their starting center is over. Oh, bro, definitely. I I don't still I still don't see how they seen Cody Cody Zeller as the number four pick in that year's draft. That that draft wasn't wasn't strong per se. But the fact that they held on from for so long, they held on to Bismack Biombo for so long too. I just felt like they needed a, they needed some new scenery at the big man position. So you saw last year they went and got uh, Vernon Carey and Isaiah Richards from uh, from Kentucky to, to like some two young bigs. They had him playing in the G League a lot. Um, picking up Kyle Jones here, I really do like it too because I felt like they really needed a big man that was one able to block shots, but two contain guards on the perimeter, and Kyle Jones could do both of those. And somewhere down the line, I definitely see him becoming. Um, a better ball handler. He has the athleticism and the agility to take guys off the uh, off the dribble, the bigger big guys off the dribble. And James Booknight, who's one another one of my favorite college players this season, he can just simply fill up the stat sheet when it comes to scoring. Um, I seen earlier that they got they uh, they elected not to extend a qualifying offer to Malik Monk, and I also know I'm pretty sure Devontae Graham's a free agent, so I think picking him up right there. He was just a, he's a he is a, he is a good option and like he's he's good youth and good athleticism to have there if you in the case that you do lose those two guys, so I'm I'm happy with it. Not to mention it also picked up J T Thor too in the second round, another project a prospect that I really like. Um, coming from Auburn, he can shoot the three. He's another big man that can uh, that can block shots and contain guards on the perimeter. So I really like he he is a project still, but I really like him. Um, spinning in with Horn, with the Hornets here too. So I, I gotta give their I gotta give their draft a B plus. Yeah, I, I love the draft. That was a very good one. A B plus. I'm gonna give it an A minus. I think James Booknight is gonna come in and do a Malik Monk should have done 2017. I don't think the Hornets really uh, are really that interested in Malik Monk anymore. But if now that they do decide to bring him back, he'll obviously be the starting guard. Might be a six man depending on how James Booknight plays throughout the season. I mean, I think the Hornets usually they usually do bad in the draft. If you think about the draft selections, it hasn't been pretty besides Kemba Walker. And then LaMelo, who was obviously the choice they had to pick at the third spot. So this was a great draft. I mean, MJ did something right this year. So can't be mad at the Hornets. Got to be excited as a Hornets fan. You think they're in the playoffs next, uh, this upcoming season? I think they make another push for a play-in spot or the playoffs. Again, I like I like the players they have. Like I like P.J. Washington. I like Miles Bridges. I, I like LaMelo. Terry Rozier and LaMelo fit better than I thought they would. Mm. And if Gore Hayward comes back healthy, they can they can do it. I think they're a playoff team. Seventh AC, depending. Seventh AC. Sure. All right. Sure. So now we go to the last team in the division, the Orlando Magic. Ooh, people were so conflicted on this pick. I mean, I mean, look at the guards. Me and Kyrie talked about this. They had MCW, RJ Hampton, Markel, Cole Anthony. Now you got Jalen Suggs. So it's like, you think someone's someone's got to move at this point, right? I mean, how you get like, or you think they're giving up on Michael Folds? I think he played pretty well before he tore. You know, he had the injury, but I just what's it? I mean, I'm swinging to Jared. Talk, talk to me. How do you feel about the Orlando Magic picking up Jalen Suggs at the fifth spot? You pick the best player available. I get it, but it's just just what are you trying to go with, trying to go with this? Um, if I'm the Magic, you can't be mad at Suggs falling at number five. No, no, you can't be. Maybe the fans might feel a little dismayed about where we're going with the organization, but if I'm the Magic, you, you brought in a winning culture guy. 
He goes in. He's a he's a high caliber player. You see, he's hit big shots. He's a good shooter. He can really space the floor in transition. He knows how to, he's a lob thrower and everything like that. He's good. He, and he also plays defense. I think you try and fit him in where you might run him and Foles at the one and two. Cole Anthony's probably going to come back off the bench as a backup. Um, I like that Jonathan Isaac's probably going to come back healthy. They still have Bamba. They have Wendell Carter Jr. Uh, RJ, they have guys. That, it's, it's a young team. They have a young team now. And then also like what they did with the Wagner pick, who's, you know, he's a versatile player. He's a jack of all trades kind of guy. And that's not, it's kind of what you want where he has room to develop, but he, I, he can shoot the ball. I, again, it's, it's weird because he kind of like emerged as a top 10 pick out of nowhere for me when I was like going through, I'm like, wow, this guy might get taken in the top 10. And it's not like he was bad. He was actually good for Michigan, but for Suggs to fall, I'm like, you, you got to jump on that immediately. And they'll figure out a way to make all three of those guards work, but I don't think it'd be that hard. Okay. All right, Kyrie, what's your thoughts on the two draft selections uh, the Magic made in the first round? Suggs and Wagner, talk to me. I was high on both of them. They were both yeah. of my my fault. My fault. I need me to cut you off. But um, I, I'm I, I've always been really high on Jalen Suggs. I get that he was the best player available. I just don't like the fit with him in Orlando. Um, you mentioned all the guards they have, but where Jalen Suggs separates himself is like from all the guards we named from Hampton to Cole Anthony to MCW to uh to Marco. Neither one of them have the same vision in in IQ as, as Jalen Green. I mean, uh, Jalen Suggs when it comes to playmaking and seeing the floor. So I think bringing in a guy like that who who Jared mentioned is a is a true leader. He brought the, he brought them to an undefeated season into a championship this year. Um, he's a solid scorer. He's not a great scorer yet, but I feel like down the line he he will eventually become so. And he, he's a really good defender. So the, the, um, you can't be mad at Orlando picking him up right there. But I just want to see how. Who gets moved? What like who gets who? Who's moved to the two? I just want to see like what combos they're going to throw at guard. Like what like what combination the guards are going to throw at? Whether it's going to be like RJ and and uh and Jalen or Jalen and, and Cole. I don't I, I don't know what the, I don't know what to think of it yet. As far as Franz Wagner, um, I, I mentioned it to you, Kyle. I feel like he was like I'm I'm not really high on him, right. but if he were to fall anywhere in the top ten, I feel like this is the best spot possible for him because the. Because the the Magic need defenders, they need guys that are going that are like that are good team defenders to to compensate for guys that aren't the best on their squad currently. So picking up a guy like him, a nice blue guy, um, I hope he becomes a better, more consistent outside shooter, and he's able to attack closeouts a little bit better and not be like so predictable with the ball. But as far as a defensive player, I think he, he was a good pickup right there. Absolutely, I look at Jalen Suggs as a potentially controlled under control Westbrook. Do you guys right. see? No, I like it. You like that. All right, then. Right. Like All right, so I, listen, the Magic has a bright future. I like. I think a lot of the teams inside the Eastern Conference, they made some picks that, you know, that could jumpstart their potential in the future, especially the Hornets, Hawks, Pistons, and the Cavaliers. I think the obvious four big, big winners in the East. So can't wait for the upcoming season. But that concludes episode 48 of the Restricted Zone podcast of the two-part draft day special. Thanks a lot, Jared, from Straight to the Point. I appreciate you so much for hopping on, giving great analysis. Everyone enjoys it, man. Man, appreciate y'all for having me. Love to do this. Absolutely. And Kyrie, thanks a lot, man. You always come in with fire, man. So, man, appreciate it. I appreciate that, uh, Colin. Jared, you know you're welcome on anytime, but we love having you on. Oh man, absolutely. And definitely give out your social, your Instagram and the and the podcast page so everyone can definitely give out and tune in to you guys.
Yeah, man, definitely check us out straight to the point podcast. That's at STTP podcast for everything just like this. We talk sports, NFL, NBA, all the good stuff. And then definitely follow me at underscore J.W. Hughes, man. I really appreciate y'all for having me on. Great conversation. Absolutely. And also, it'll be it'll be inside the uh, description above. If you weren't able to catch that, you can also follow us at Restricted Zone Pod. And you can also follow us individually on Instagram. You can stream us on Apple, Spotify, and et cetera. And thanks a lot for tuning in. We appreciate you guys and have a great day. Thank you.